You're listening to a VC short. These are shorter bonus episodes released only on our podcast, The VC Hour. These are a product of Radio ABC 993 FM, a ministry of African Bible University in Uganda. Greetings, friends. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode here. I'm choosing not to introduce it as my traditional podcast, which is Trajectory Podcast, because today I'm working with my brother-in-law. His name is Jeremiah Pitts. He works at a school, Africa Bible University in uh, Africa and Uganda specifically, and uh, airs a podcast himself once a week. So I have the privilege today of working with him and uh, we are combining our efforts today and bringing you some thoughts on prophecy, uh, what it meant for the people of old, and what it means for us today. Well, thanks for working with me on the show. You've traveled a long way, Andrew, to get here to beautiful Laboa outside of Kampala in Uganda, and you flew from... I flew from Inman, Kansas. It's a beautiful place. I've been there. There's a lot of good people there. I uh, hope to get back there at some point and visit. Again, there's a lot of sweet, kind, and otherwise people there, and uh, I'm related to a few of the otherwise people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think some of the otherwise people might be in your studio today. So. Well, very good. And for Andrew's listeners, I'm Jeremiah Pitts. I'm the vice chancellor of African Bible University. I've been in higher education for a long time and also worked for churches along the way and ended up here uh, as a missionary, fully supported missionary, very grateful for the churches and individuals who've helped that make that happen. But the heart of what we're doing is trying to provide quality Christian education to the people of Uganda. And actually, we're international. We have students from Kenya and Burundi and uh, have had from Tanzania, Rwanda, and Malawi as well. So uh, just trying to make sure people know God's word as they go out and work in ministry. So we have a little bit of a different show today. Uh, when Andrew and I talked and thought, you know, we're not going to have a chance to get together frequently. So we asked, well, what, what kind of thing could we both work on? And it turned out we had both done some work on prophecy that related to Jesus. Uh, we're recording this around the time of Christmas, and that's probably why we had worked on that. I'm not sure about you. And uh, some of mine, it turns out, has to do with before Jesus was born, and some of yours had to do with after Jesus was born. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to start out with my end, if you're okay with that which is the before end. Yeah, let's go for it. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you're not driving in your car, I would say <laughs> turn to Mark chapter 1, just looking at the first few verses, first four verses specifically. And uh, if you've read it before, it's very often the part that you would probably have skipped over quickly because it's not the part that most people find exciting. I, I would put myself in that category. I read it a lot of times with thinking I need to get into the gospel part and not the intro part, but here we are. And I found out, well, it's not a surprise that all of the Bible is there for a reason. And uh, just like when you read a book, you don't really want to skip the introduction because there's a lot of important information there. When you read a book of the Bible, you don't want to skip the introduction. There's important information there. Let me read it for those who may be driving or otherwise engaged. This is what Mark tells us at the beginning of his gospel. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. 
So something interesting happens there. I, I would love to drill down on that first verse for our listeners, but I'm, I'm going to skip it for now and ask you to perhaps read a bit about that on your own and really look at just the prophecy for, at least for this episode. Mark here is quoting from the Old Testament, and he's quoting two prophets. He quotes part from Isaiah, part from Malachi. He says Isaiah, it was very normal in his day to quote from the prophets in general and to use the name of the more important or significant prophet to represent the whole prophecy, and that's what he does That's what he does here. Malachi has the beginning of this passage. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Now, if you go to the book of Malachi and you look at chapter 3, verse 1, you'll see that it's God who's speaking. Specifically, it uses God's covenant name. And God says, I'm going to send my messenger, and this messenger will prepare the way before me. And then the passage from Isaiah, you'll see how that relates directly to what Mark writes. He says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And again, it uses God's covenant name there, God's name for himself. Make straight in the desert a highway or a pathway uh, for our God. So this is interesting because when Mark quotes it, he says, before I send my messenger before your face will prepare your way. Now, I don't know who you think the messenger might be, but you might think that it's talking about the coming of Jesus. But it's not. It's talking about the coming of John the Baptist. Yeah, which is surprising for me because uh, I guess for the most part, I always assumed that all of prophecy was about the coming Messiah. And so the fact that there's uh, Old Testament prophecy specifically for uh, a mere man, right? Th- that's that's interesting to say the least. I don't, I don't know what it means. <laughs> Hopefully that's what you'll do. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm curious um, why it is that Scripture spent so much time focusing on someone uh, that, that uh, was not God in the flesh. Yeah, so if you read the prophets, you'll see that there's a lot of things that they connect together, but in one very simple way of thinking about it, God gives us a sign that validates something else. Uh, something that you can see or experience validates something that's difficult to see or experience. And in this case, what he's saying is that there's going to be someone who goes before uh, who explains that God himself is coming. So, This is important because uh, people in that day would have expected that if somebody important shows up, then he will send somebody ahead of him. And that, that sort of messenger that he sends ahead, the point of the messenger is to let everybody know this important person is coming. So... The coming of this person is easy to to validate, right? It has something that we can see. It's someone who's going to be crying out in the wilderness. He's going to come before uh, before God himself comes, and he's going to have a specific message, prepare the, the way of the Lord and make his path straight. So you could take those criteria, and you could position them against John the Baptist, and you could say, well, did John the Baptist come before Jesus? Yes. Did he go in the wilderness and cry out? Of course he did. And what was the message that he had? He said, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. He called for repentance and return the people to God. So you can take these three criteria about John the Baptist and you can look at his life and see that he fits the criteria. And that's meant to validate, to affirm something 
that's hard to prove. Mm -hmm. And that is the nature of who Jesus was. That's the part that's kind of hidden and hard to prove. So what Mark is telling us is these passages about a messenger who was to come is John the Baptist. And because John the Baptist is who the Bible was talking about as this messenger, that means the person he was talking about was God himself. That is, he's claiming that Jesus is God. Specifically, he uses God's covenant name, Yahweh, there. That's a beautiful promise for us, that if God in times past could have predicted so clearly the nature of who John the Baptist would be and what it is that he would say, that's a type of validation, affirmation, uh, that Jesus must be who he claimed he was and who the Gospel of Mark also claims he is as well. Okay, so so basically what you're saying, that certainly for uh, the Jews of, you know, long time past, a prophecy that a man would become God and show up in the flesh is almost impossible. But to believe that there was a forerunner of God or some sort of a prophet type that was going to come and prepare the way of the Messiah, that was believable. And so uh, in the prophecy about John being 100% true, it was almost like, God was preparing the hearts of people to receive something even um, further outside the box of what was normal. It's like, uh, if God's not lying about this, certainly he's not lying about the harder-to-believe thing either. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, we know from, uh, not just from uh, the Bible about the importance of John the Baptist, but actually if you study your history from this era, you'll find out that John the Baptist was a very popular figure and very well known in the Jewish community of that time. And so, in a sense, if a guy like that, who clearly is well known, who's well attested to and well liked, if his whole job the whole time was to tell us that Jesus was more important than him, mm -hmm. that's the message we ought to be listening to. So Mark here, I think, in part, is telling his Jewish listener, hey, you remember John the Baptist? Yeah, of course, I remember that guy. Well, if you believe him, then you have to believe his message. And by the way, he didn't decide to do this on his own. God set the events of history into place to make this to make all this happen. Sure. Um, politics certainly are different in Africa than they are in America, but there tends to be uh, within you know uh, liberal or conservative camps, people, individuals that are mainstream and that are trusted by those groups. Um, and so it seems sort of like uh, John was that guy that was mainstream Jewish that people trusted, and God was using him to be like, no, he affirms that this sort of outlier, all right, even though we know he, he's not the outlier, he's the central and the foundation and the cumulative result of years of prophecy and scripture, but to the Jewish mind, he was an outlier. He's like, Here, here's an acceptable person, and he is pointing to this person that seemed less acceptable at least partially, base your, your uh, willingness to receive this new thing on his recommendation. Yeah, it's easier for the mind of the time, maybe even for the mind of today, but certainly of the mind of the time, to believe John the Baptist and what he had to say. Harder, because the claim of who Jesus was is a bigger claim. Right. And so harder to believe. But you can't accept John the Baptist without accepting Jesus. Right, they're codependent. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's, uh, so we, yeah, like you said, we don't often think about prophecies that come before Jesus, that also herald Jesus, but that's exactly what it is. It's a prophecy about John the Baptist and his relationship to Jesus. Interesting. Yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. That is awesome. Um, okay, so with that conversation in mind, I actually want to uh, 
changed the focus towards someone who uh, understood prophecy very well and was excitedly looking forward to the fulfillment of that. Uh, I know we spent some time talking about John. I want to focus now on a man named Simeon and specifically his hope for the coming Jesus. As we discuss the fulfillment of prophecy, uh, and, and that revolves in and, and around who John the Baptist was and his life and ministry, I often kind of wonder what it was like for those living during that time to see prophecy unfolding before their eyes. Uh, unfortunately, it's clear from the scriptures that many didn't understand that prophecy was in fact being accomplished even as they watched John and watched the life and ministry of Jesus. A lot of them just totally missed it. Um, most of the Jewish people had no idea what was going on, but there was one guy we know for certain who at least had a pretty good grasp of what the Lord was doing. So we find this guy in, uh, in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 25 through 31. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So we see in Simeon a man who was living with his sandals on and his staff in his hand. This is sort of a reference to the time of Moses. Before Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt, God commanded the people to eat the very first Passover with their sandals on and their staffs in hand. The reason they spent the night in perpetual readiness was because they were expecting God to do something. Thousands of years later, the people of Israel were still supposed to be in perpetual readiness to welcome their coming Messiah, but many had switched their sandals to sleeping slippers and their walking sticks for marshmallow pokers and had grown totally complacent. Simeon was uh, absolutely not one of those people. He was continuously waiting and hoping and wishing for the coming Messiah. And, and finally, one day the Holy Spirit whispered to him that indeed he would not die until he saw the answer to his heart's deepest wish. So I want to just kind of rotate the focus. It's been really fun looking at the prophecies of old, the fulfillment in John, and then this awesome old guy who's looking forward to Jesus. But what about us? Where do we fit in this whole story of prophecy, and I think that it comes down to what our hearts long for. It was clear that Simeon was a person who wanted more than anything to see the answer to, to thousands of years of prophecy, and when he finally got to see Jesus, he grabbed him in his arms and said, finally, now I can die. It's literally what he was waiting to die for. And so my question for us is, is what do you want? What is your heart's deepest desire? Uh, do you find yourself waiting outside the temple, as it were, hoping to see just a glimpse? Are you actively cleansing your life of all the things that God hates so that when he comes, you'll be ready? Do you, do you get excited to see the work of God? In one of Jesus' parables, Jesus speaks of ten virgins who are waiting for the coming bridegroom. And as they waited, the scripture says they all fell asleep, all ten of them. Uh, Matthew Henry writes a commentary, uh, which I find very helpful, and he states that this is a big mistake. 
even though five of these virgins end up rejoicing with the bridegroom uh, in glory, it's not a seal of approval on the fact that they spent some of their time waiting in, 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 as they slept. So later on, the scripture records Jesus' thoughts on prayerfulness, and he instructs people to continue in prayer and not to give up, stating in Luke chapter 18, verses 7 through 8, that God would give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night. And then it goes on to say that, in fact, he would respond to them with great speed. And then he just adds on this little tag that I find really interesting. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back again, Will he find faith on the earth? So it's a question for us. When Jesus came the first time, he did find faith in the, in the man of Simeon. Will he find it in you? The scripture requires from us a response. If indeed God is good to his word, as we saw through the fulfillment of prophecy in John the Baptist, hundreds and thousands of years before the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, God was saying these things giving the people of Israel clues about who was coming. And then the word was performed, and they came and accomplished what was written of them. You can be sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he will come again. And the promise will be fulfilled, and he will join us to himself, us who wait for him in enduring hopefulness and joy. So uh, we should be like Simeon, always waiting, righteous people, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, God's people. And so I think that that is certainly for us something that we could take home. Yeah, it's really interesting because the, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus continually expected that people did read the Old Testament, did understand it, and therefore should have known. He rebukes, for instance, Pharisees at times, do you not know? Rebukes, rebukes specifically Nicodemus, the pair that's on the road to Emmaus, asks them how could they not have read the prophets and has to explain all about him. And so there's this relationship then between Jesus's expectation that if you want to meet him, you therefore will search for him in the scriptures. Yeah, I, I, I think of one other passage, and that's uh, when Jesus was recounting the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And, uh, of course, the rich man, he's in hell, he's burning up, and he says, Hey, listen, if maybe someone comes to uh, my brothers, planet Earth, from the dead and gives them a warning, maybe then they'd get saved. And Jesus responds to them, If they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't even believe if someone came to them from the dead. And so it, it's clear that uh, Jesus rested uh, most of his expectation on the, on the people's acceptance of, of him on the fact that they were supposed to be in the Old Testament word, reading the things about him. But by the way, I've, I've witnessed that very thing for myself. I was watching a debate one time between an atheist uh, who did not believe the Bible, didn't believe the truth in Jesus' resurrection, and a firm Christian. And uh, the Christian was making a very good defense for what's called the historicity of the resurrection. He's making a defense that the resurrection itself was a real historical event and that we could put faith in God because God demonstrates himself in history. Mm -hmm. And the atheist responded, and this is going to blow your mind, I think, Andrew. The atheist responded, even if Jesus came back from the dead, that doesn't prove who he is. And when he said it, my mind was blown, and I, <laughs> I thought immediately of the parable of the rich man Lazarus. Yeah. Jesus said, hey, listen, if you don't believe my word, right, you're not going to believe even if I come back from the dead. And here is a man literally saying the same thing. He, he, he meant to, to try to make doubt about God's word. He accidentally affirmed it. Yeah. He accidentally approved that Jesus was 100% right. The resurrection itself for a mind that chooses not to want to meet Jesus will not meet Jesus. Sure. 
Yeah, and I suppose that that's why uh, Christ, you know, encourages us, strive to enter the narrow gate um, because it's highly missable, right? Easy to miss that. And uh, I think that for many people, they're missing it and they don't even know. That's it. Well, listen, this has been awesome. And thank you so much for sharing some time with me. Yeah, I enjoyed doing this together with you. Thanks for this opportunity. You've been listening to the Vice Chancellor's Hour, a ministry of Radio ABC on the campus of African Bible University. We hope this has been beneficial to your Christian walk and understanding. If it has, you can support the ministry of Radio ABC by going to AfricanBibleColleges.com and clicking on the Donate button. Don't forget to let them know in the comments that it's going to the Uganda station. If you have questions about anything in this or previous episodes, please write us at RadioABC993FM at gmail.com. That's RadioABC993FM at gmail.com. And we'll answer your question on a questions and answer episode. Until next time, may the peace of God and the fellowship of God's people encourage your hearts.